Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's Drags and it's Wednesday, October 10th. Time for episode 266 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us, of course, on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS. There have been two games circled on the first half schedule for the Patriots. The first big test, of course, was in Jacksonville week two, and that did not go very well. A loss to the Jaguars in the AFC Championship rematch down in northern Florida. I'm not counting the game with Matt Patricia and the Lions because the second big test comes this Sunday night at home against Pat Mahomes and the undefeated Kansas City Chiefs at Gillette. And to discuss this week's huge showdown is an old friend from our Celtics days together, Lynn Worthy of the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com. How you doing, Lynn? I'm doing great, doing great. Glad to be with you. Uh, It's great to have you uh, on board here on Patriots Beat. Uh, Who did you cover the Celtics for specifically in in your time uh, back in Uh, the the late 2000s? Yeah, it was the uh, it was the Lowell Sun. So I was there um, for I want to say part of five seasons, maybe or no, maybe it was more like four. Um, but uh, no, the first season I really did I uh, was around regularly was the season when they only won twenty four games, and then of course that off season they put together the uh, the new big three with the uh, uh, Ray Allen trade and uh, Kevin Garnett trade and won the championship the next year. So, um, and then I was there through the, uh, uh, the second championship run. Uh, well, second finals run where they, they came up short for the championship. So your, uh, first year was Rondo's rookie year. Yeah. 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 I think one of the first events I covered might've been draft night. Cause, um, and it's sort of funny cause I mean, Ron, now you look at it as probably the Rondo draft, but you know, at the time that night, the big story was that they had traded for Sebastian Telfair. <laughs> right. Um, and Rondo was sort of the, uh, the afterthought cause it was, um, I guess technically it was the, one of those trades that you couldn't, you know, announce uh, ahead of time. So technically Phoenix made the pick for them, I believe is how it ended up playing out. But, um, but yeah, it was, you know, um, they made that pick for Rondo and, um, but then everybody was talking about Telfair because they made that trade that night. How much do you miss Boston? Um, I mean, it's it's different. I've had to tell people when I've because I've since I left, uh, I worked in upstate New York and Binghamton. Uh, I spent a little bit of time in Allentown, Pennsylvania, Salt Lake City, Utah, and now I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. And this is my first season covering the Chiefs. Um, but uh, I've told people in different places say it's not the same. Like you gotta, I try to explain. I said, but you gotta be somebody who grew up around it and worked around it to, to really get Boston and just sort of the sense with the, um, with the sports and the intensity and, um, how much people are really get into it. And, um, and, uh, then of course, I mean, I was there for, you know, some Patriots titles and some, some, not obviously got to see firsthand the Celtics titles, but, you know, then they had that stretch where, you know, everybody won a title. <laughs> so yeah. it was, I think I think I was in town for yeah I, I think the only one that I, I wasn't in town for Bruins but I mean I, was, I saw Red Sox I saw um, 
uh, Bruin, I mean, I saw Celtics and I saw Patriots all win titles in that stretch there. And I mean, there's cities that don't have anything like that. So, um, and in Boston, it's just different. <laughs> uh, what did uh, covering the Celtics uh, in 2008 and 2010 on their runs to the finals uh, teach you about the business and and covering such a high profile team, you know, so early in your career? Uh, I think just that, um, you know, how many things can become, um, you know, big stories for the moment. <laughs> I mean, you know, and right. then all of a sudden they're forgotten. I mean, you know, like for, I mean, like we just mentioned the, the, the Telfair thing, but um, I think it was in preseason that year where um, he also had like, uh, I think Telfair again had gotten robbed in New York where, he, you know, where he's from. And that was the big thing that everybody was talking about at the time. And, um, it was during the preseason, and by the time the season started, I don't know if anybody even remembered that. Um, and, and the other thing that I think I remembered was when everybody's, or I, I, I learned, not remembered, was that uh, when everybody's sort of on that, that's a good time to try and, uh, you know, as they say, um, bob when everybody else is weaving. <laughs> because I think I grabbed Danny at that time to talk to him a little bit about Rondo for a story, just because everybody was trying to talk to him about uh, Telfair. So he was happy to talk about something else. <laughs> um but then also just how, you know, when you have a group like that together, everything becomes, you know, just big and national people come in and it's just sort of, uh, you know, you try to find, uh, you have to come up with different ways to get at things because everybody's always clamoring for the same stuff. So I've tried to keep that with me wherever I've gone, um, particularly now with the Chiefs because now, <laughs> now everybody seems to be, you know, whether it's the national um, writers or TV or NFL Network are coming out here doing stuff with Mahomes or different you know different aspects of the team. So uh, you got to sort of have that uh, be sort of agile and change gears and come at things a different way. So um, that and then just how um, I guess how intense some fan bases can be about things, you know? Because <laughs> um, I mean, Twitter was was around then, but I don't know if people were uh, were as into it or it was as active as it is now. So there's all sorts of, you know, interaction that um, not just players get, but you as a writer or reporter get with uh, fans about uh, stuff that's going on. So um, all that, I think, goes back to my time there because, you know, that was my, my first newspaper job. Was the, It was the Lowell Sun, which was my hometown paper, too. So it was um, definitely there's not too many times I don't think about, uh, you know, uh, just how things got started and, I actually called and talked to one of the guys back there this week just because I know I was coming back, you know, this weekend. Right. So, um, yeah. So um, I've got to ask you, I think you have a fascinating background because you played football at Bates, correct? Yeah, the first two years I was there, I played football and then uh, decided it was uh, time to to get on with things. Well, what position? <laughs> realized that. Yeah, what position? Uh, I played uh, uh, in college, I played fullback, so um in high school, fullback and linebacker. But in college, it was fullback. And then, um, you know, like I said, just played the first couple of years. But yeah, I was a fullback. You Still know, that, sort of. Yeah, that's uh, div- yeah, keep not, that with me. Not uh, not to cut you off, but it's Division three, but it's still college football, and it is something that I assume gives you incredible perspective now when you're covering a professional football team, you know, in the NFL. And that's got to be one of the big differences for you, right, between covering the NBA. Uh, versus covering the NFL now, I'd say. I mean, it. It. I like to think it does. It's one of those things that I don't necessarily, you know, tout because I mean, 
it just seems sort of foolish to me to be sort of like puffing out your chest and say, oh, well, I played that. No, blah, blah, blah. But I understand that. I think but, it's, but you know what, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm I mean, saying? You have but, an appreciation but yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm just, played it. I know what you're saying. I'm just trying to explain because I know I, like, I, people, because a lot of times I'll, I'll just sort of like mention it. Even one of the guys here, I think one of the first things I did here, we do a lot of Facebook stuff with the newspaper and I've sort of glossed over. He was like, yeah, I played a couple of years, but whatever. And one of the guys was like, well, no, 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 you play. I said, yeah, I just, it's, that like I think it you know I mean like I remember when I was in school and you know um, the coach one of the coaches we had I think used to talk about how we approach everything the same way as you know they would do it at University of Nebraska or whatever pick your power five school it's it's the same thing obviously we're not the same caliber players but the way you approach it is the same and I've sort of learned as I've covered whether it's been pro practices college you know major college football you know, because I was covering Utah when I was out in Salt Lake City, and that's Power Five and the Pac-12. Um, and you know, when you watch the times that you get to watch a full practice, or like even training camp this year, you're watching a full practice. I mean, there's you know, obviously they're a high level, and you know, these coaches have had a lot more experience, or um, you know, been around a lot longer, that sort of thing. But um, football is still football, so I mean, like, there's only so many ways you can do these drills. There's only, so, I mean, it's a lot of it is the same thing. So yeah, I think. Um, perspective-wise, you know, there's things I look at and I still remember doing a lot of the same things and, you know, or just haven't seen it at different levels and, you know, it's still the same same sorts of things that they're, same sorts of fundamentals, same sorts of things that they're sort of teaching. Um, I don't think there was as much spread offense <laughs> in in my day when I was playing, but um, I've seen a lot of that at the high school and college level as well, too. So, um, so yeah, I think it helps in terms of just sort of the way um, – I mean, a lot of different coaches have different terminology and things like that, so I wouldn't even say terminology, but I just, you know, think in terms of uh, the way they sort of look at things. And it definitely helps now because they got me doing stuff uh, sort of like film breakdowns and snap counts and all those sorts of I things I do so. for our website. So, so it helps with that. Speaking with Lynn Worthy of the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com covering the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to tell you about a betting service that you will love. BetDSI.com has been paying winners for 20 years. Use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. Go online or to their easy-to-use mobile app. They have the fastest payouts in the industry. Play, win, get paid. BetDSI offers betting options for everything. Bet on football or other major sports politics reality tv esports virtually everything try live betting at betdsi where you can bet on every play every drive and every score until that final whistle blows use the promo code patriots18 and first time deposits get a 100% bonus match on your money up to $500 once again use the promo code Patriots 18 and first-time deposits get a 100% bonus match on your money up to $500. It's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Back with Lynn Worthy, Kansas City Chiefs beat reporter for the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com. All right, let's get to the meat of the matter, Pat Mahomes. In July, when you were brought on board at the Kansas City uh, Star, you said... I'm anxious to start chronicling the uh, chronicling and analyzing the franchise's continued march into the Brett Veach era in the front office, as well as the development of the only quarterback drafted by the Chiefs in the first round in more than 30 years. Wow, what a quarterback, Pat Mahomes. Where do you begin describing his skills? Well, I mean, I think the thing that sort of jumped out of me, the thing that struck me so far is just how... 
um, how quickly he seems to have just sort of dove in and taken over. I mean, I expected it to be sort of uh, he'll get better as the season goes along and he'll have his mistakes and growing pains. And then so he comes out and throws 10 touchdowns in the first two weeks and 13 in the first three, and it's like, what the heck? I mean, um, I I remember one time being in the office and, you know, some people on staff um, with the newspaper on the news side who are big Chiefs fans, and I, I mentioned something about by the end of the season, you know, Pat should be doing this and that, and they were like, by the end of the season? And they were sort of like disappointed. I said, well, I'm a, the, guy, the guy's played one game. I said, you can't expect that much from him. And then he proceeded to prove me – exactly wrong <laughs> as soon as the season started um and i mean through training camp even we saw you know he had days in camp where he would throw interceptions and we were you know it'd be written about and it'd be talked about and um to the point that i think andy Reid even sort of had to come out and uh, uh made a comment about how you know um they were fine with him doing that, and they sort of wanted him to. I think the term he used was test the offense, and um, that you can't just check down all the time and, and become a good quarterback like that. You got to test things, and he used the term intestinal fortitude to you know to go out and and to make these throws and try different things. And um, during one of our, I think it was one of the Facebook things, I <laughs> I made the offhand comment of, I said, yeah, well, he said intestinal fortitude, and intestinal fortitude starts with I and T. And so, and you know, and then from, I mean, it took five weeks. It took five weeks for him to actually throw one in the game against, you know, probably the best defense in the NFL. So, um, yes, I mean, he he's, um, I would say, better than advertised. But there were a lot of people who had high hopes for him. I just uh, I didn't see it. I didn't expect it happen this quickly. You got fourteen um, touchdowns and, and two picks, right? Is that accurate? Yeah, fourteen, fourteen touchdowns, two interceptions, and both of those came just this past week. Um, uh, so and a five and zero first, start. Yeah, yeah, he went through the first four games without throwing a pick, and he actually didn't throw a touchdown this past week. So he had fourteen touchdowns before he threw his first uh, interception. So, in talking with Bill Belichick this week, he could not stop raving about the arm strength of Pat Mahomes and that he can make uh, any throw on the field and he can literally, you know, he could throw it out of the stadium. I mean, there's not a spot on the field Pat Mahomes really can't reach uh, beyond his, you know, 30-yard line. And that is a danger for the Patriots to defend. And then, um, you know, we were talking with Josh Boyer and I asked Josh about um, the, the, and he is the defensive backs coach, and I asked him, you know, what's the biggest danger with Pat Mahomes? And he said, without question, uh, his ability to extend the play and mm-hmm. uh, make sure that, um, and, and our guys have to make sure uh, that we stay in coverage the whole way. Because the more he extends the play, the more danger you have in guys breaking off routes, running free, and you lose them. And Mahomes keeps his eyes down the field very, very well for uh, what twenty-two years old, right? Second-year quarterback. Uh, 22? 20, 23. He turned twenty-three um, a few weeks back. So, would you would you agree with that assessment of Josh Boyer that you know his ability to extend to play and throw the ball accurately on the run uh, is one of the things he really brings to the table? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, he had um, you know that that one play that went viral against uh, I guess it was the I think it was the Forty ers yeah, here in Kansas City, um, the touchdown where he went he turned one way and came back the other way and and then rolled back right and then was able to find Chris Conley in the back of the end zone and I think um, 
uh, on the run, you know, right on the money for a touchdown. And I think that one was one of the highlights. It seemed like he had a bunch of highlights, but that was one of the highlights that was all over the place that week. Um, he's, uh, I mean, against Denver, I think really Denver was the week where, you know, um, because of the pressure they were putting on and the way they were coming after him, um, buying time was the only thing that sort of made the offense go because they were down 10 in the fourth quarter and his ability to buy time to, um, to get throws off or to, um, you know, just to, to get receivers open. I mean, there's, that's the famous left-handed throw was one yep. where, you know, he, uh, he saw exactly what was, what was coming and he knew, that the only way to um, to to get that pass off, and it was a third down, so he had to convert, um, and they were down at the time. Uh, he had to start moving, and as he did, he realized, you know, on the run that he didn't have enough time to actually bring the ball up and and you know and throw it, or he was going to risk it getting stripped from him or getting battered or something like that. So he switched hands and just tossed. So the as he set it, shot put it out there with the left hand to Tyreek Hill, who who got the first down and kept that drive going and. Helped him go down and score and eventually win the game, but um, yeah, I mean, he's his ability to, to to make things happen in the pocket. I mean, and, and there's the times when he rolls out, but then there's the other times where he just does things, almost little subtle things in the pocket. Uh, not every time. It's not as though he's you know perfect. I mean, he's still young, but um, he does little things like uh, just uh, one of the plays from this past week against the Jaguars. He he threw uh, like a I'm trying to think it was thirty yards, thirty or forty yards. Um, just flicked it out there to Travis Kelsey along the sideline. And um, when you look at it in the pocket, there's somebody who, you know, if he takes the time and actually steps into it, because he never actually stepped into it, but if he did, there was a defender who would cross his face right after he let the ball go. So if he steps into it, is that, you know, disrupt the throw? Does it get batted? You know, little things like that. Or his first touchdown of the season against the Chargers was a run-pass option where um, – he had a defender bearing right down on him, and he's thrown into a window between two linebackers, and he sticks it right in there, sort of throws it almost three quarters as opposed to over the top. Hits Tyree Kill, who catches it and, and takes off for I think it was fifty six or fifty nine yard touchdown. So yeah, so he does. That's what Andy Reid's talking about about that. testing the the offense and t- uh, showing intestinal fortitude is throwing between two linebackers, right? Stuff like that, and just you know, being being willing not to be reckless, but to to sort of take chances. I mean, in um, the Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh game, there was you know one of the plays that I think I, I broke down for the film thing that we do online was, you know, is Travis Kelsey and like and now he's open, but the window is not big. I mean, he's open. I mean, it's not big, but for him, it, it might as well have been because you know you had a linebacker whose head was turned, running to try and catch up with Kelsey. You had another one who was in theory was in the right position, but sort of his hips were turned to the outside, which meant the time that he would have had to turn and react to the ball with Mahomes throwing it the way he does. Um, just was, was he didn't have enough time. So Mahomes just let it go and ripped it in there and ends up being a touchdown. Cause and that's the other thing that they have is just, you know, because of the, the weapons they have, did they put on the field at the same time? You know, you, you occupy safeties with guys like Hill and Sammy Watkins and, or you have to try and make decisions on how you're going to cover Kelsey and do you devote extra people to him and leave other guys one-on-one. And, and Pat finds that, you know, he finds that, that matchup. He finds what you're trying to do and where you're uh, vulnerable, and he goes right after you. Okay, I'm going to ask you this question. Can Pat Mahomes cover for the defense all season? All season? Probably not, right? I don't think he can do it all. Not all season, but... 
if the defense, and it's a big but, if the defense is able to do what they did on Sunday. Five turnovers. Um, you know, I had, yeah, yeah. And I had this conversation with, um, with Booger McFarlane from Monday Night Football leading into the game in Denver. Um, because, you know, the defense has been talked about all season that, you know, that that's going to be their weak link. That's going to be their undoing. Sure. And, um, because they've been giving up, you know, I think they gave up a thousand yards in the first, uh, three games, something like that. And so it was, um, you know, it was, it was the thing that everybody pointed to. And, you know, Booger was like, yeah, I don't really care about the yards because he was, he was down on the defense too. He said, I don't care about the yards. He said, but what they've got to do is they've got to create turnovers and they've got to be strong in the red zone. And this week is actually the first time when you, it seems like they really did that. I think they kept Jacksonville to one of five in the red zone and then um, created, you know, five turnovers. So that's, if they do that, then, you know, maybe Patrick and that offense can make up for it. But that's, that's a tall task to ask for every week. Um, and we have only seen it really that one game because they had struggled, I think, through the first four games. There was only, uh, I want to say two turnovers that they had. There was one on special teams. I think there was one interception in the first game of the season and one interception in Denver. And that had been the extent of the turnovers caused by the defense for the first four games. But, um, and I sort of, you know, anecdotally, I sort of was thinking about some of those old Patriots teams where, you know, there was a question about, you know, is the, the offense obviously is putting up numbers, but did they have enough to, to, you know, to get over the hump. And, you know, it seemed like, at least in, to my memory, and maybe you can uh, push back on this, but there were some of those teams, not the early well, ones. Well, 2009 and 2010, definitely. Brady yeah, was having bend, great years, but exactly. the defense was really weak. And you know what, Lynn? People would say that if the 2011 team had a stronger defense, um, they win Super Bowl 46, beat the Giants. And that's that's where I think a lot of people, you know, th- those three years, 2009, 2010, when they were 14-2 and two and went out in the first round to the Jets, and then 2011 – uh, when they lost the Super Bowl to the Giants, um, those defenses weren't great, uh, but Brady was, and that's where I think you know you started to see guys like Dante Hightower and Devin McCourty start to come into the fold and start to really become uh, influential leaders in the room and obviously on the field, and that's where I think the perspective changed a little bit. Yeah, and I don't know if the if the Chiefs have that in them. Um, I mean, it's, 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 they've had a lot of change on defense this past year, too. Like, that was the main thing, that saw, the thrust of the offseason was to to revamp that defense because they just had too many issues with the last year. They didn't think it was good enough against the run. Um, they had to get younger, and so that's, you know, this was the first full offseason for the general manager, Brett Veach, and, you know, they spent all – well, they had six draft picks. They spent – technically, they spent five of them on – uh, defensive players, but the one offensive player was a defensive player that they're converting to offensive line. So really, they drafted six defensive guys with their picks in the off season. They signed Anthony Hitchens. They made the deal to bring in Kendall Fuller. So I mean, they defense was the focus. It's just um, you know they they haven't quite found that that um, the 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 formula yet. And Eric Berry, the All Pro safety, still hasn't played yet. So um, it's still a work in progress. I just don't know if they they'll be able to put it together enough to um to sort of come through when they when they have to or at least you know in the playoffs against uh the teams that you figure they'll probably end up running into like the patriots and things like that 
Speaking with Lynn Worthy, uh, Chiefs reporter and columnist for the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com. Hey, Boston sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of a beer or a large pizza? Tired of paying for all of the inflated markups from brokers or last-minute convenience charges so you end up actually paying courtside prices for nosebleed seats? Well, there's an answer. Go to 1in100.co. That's one in 100.co feeling lucky try it now the novelty of 1 in 100 is that there is no other place online that's doing online raffles to win tickets to events the cost to potentially score tickets with 1 in 100 is a small fraction of the actual ticket price score a pair of tickets for less than the cost of a beer your first raffle ticket is free after signing up the experience of using 1 in 100 which is extremely fun and exciting, from picking your lucky number to the feeling of potentially scoring premium tickets. Feeling lucky? Try it now. Go to 1in100.co. That's 1in100.co. Back with Lynn Worthy of the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com, covering the Chiefs, of course, and the NFL. What's it been like talking to Andy Reid? One of my favorite Andy Reid um uh, traditions after a game is time is yours. Does he still say that at the? Uh, <laughs> oh, he does. Yeah, that's my he favorite does. <laughs> Andy Reidism, if you will. After yeah. every and game, he run, he goes over yeah, the injuries. It's not even just after the game either. It's 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 pretty much just about every time he's at the um, he's at podium. the podium speaking to media. Yeah, I mean, so he was he um, the, we had availability uh, on Monday. And, um, yeah, and, you know, he gave the injury update, and then I'm pretty sure he maybe gave a little, um, a little opening remarks about the, the game they just had. But then once he, once he gets through that, it's time is yours to the point where, you know, like I said, he says it every time. And so when we do our Facebook Live for the paper, every now and then at the end of it, I'll just throw it in there. Like when we're all signing off, I'll throw, I'll just, you know, uh, throw in a time is yours to, you know, the people walk, uh, watching at home. <laughs> Not only that, he has one of the driest, uh, but wittiest sense of senses of humor uh, in any head coach in the NFL. That's the thing I don't think people listening to this may fully appreciate. Certainly, if you know you don't live in Kansas City or Philadelphia for that matter, all those years with the Eagles, you don't appreciate his wit. But tell us, yeah, he's he's pretty quick too. He's I mean, like you know, on the fly, you know, um, thinking on his feet. I mean, so there was one, um, and I think, yeah, I've, I've, I've pretty much come, come clean on this, but like, so we do the conference call on the weeks that, uh, you know, if they're at home, usually Monday availability is in person. If they're on the road, usually it's on the, um, it's on the phone on Monday. Right. People are sort of making their way back. And so, um, I forget which week it was, but we had the conference call and I typically will put it on, um, put my phone on speaker and then have my tape recorder going so that I can, you know, um, sure. keep, uh, keep it all, uh, you know, and so then, um, but I didn't mute my phone, so I got an alert or, you know, something went off, and so my phone started vibrating, and so you could hear it over the conference call, and uh, and I just sort of like, oh, played it off like, a, you know, like it didn't happen, and the next thing you hear is Andy Reid, like in the middle of a, a sentence, stop and go, is somebody duck hunting? What is that? <laughs> and so, because of the vibrating, that one has been a running joke all season now about the duck hunting because my phone brought, uh, vibrated in the middle of conference call and he just went right back into whatever it was. He said, what is that, duck hunting? How good is um, his And Pat there was somebody... Oh, go ahead. 
Oh yeah, I was gonna say, and there was one time when somebody asked him about, um, you know, Sean McVay and his his recall on plays, and uh, you know, so of course somebody asked him about, you know, oh, can you do that sort of thing? And I think it, it was one of those questions that's probably one of the few longer than it needed to. And so when the person finally stopped, he just looked at him and said, "What'd you say again?" <laughs> you know, it is in the, obviously the playing off the whole memory thing. So he, he he has his little barbs here and there, and he's pretty quick on his feet. But yeah, he's um. He's he's one who slides some jokes in there, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got a little more uh, sense of humor than some of the some of the um, probably the dry things that you you might see of him as you expect from your uh, your NFL coaches. How good is his Pat Mahomes impersonation? What's the story behind that? He he won't do it in front of us. We, uh, one of our columnists actually asked him because you know it was uh, I think Pat made mention of it that that he does it. And um, it's it's pretty clear that he does it, but he just was he wasn't going to do it in front of us. So he yeah. said something along the lines of, "Yeah, maybe we'll maybe later on in the season." We'll Froggish is what up, he called yeah. it, Pat Mahomes, right? He Froggish. Yeah, yeah, that was that was his term was Froggish. Um, I mean, we, we we were talking about it back in camp about how, what's the best way to describe it, and I don't think we ever really came uh, to a consensus. But then once it started to get to be a uh, national topic, <laughs> um, that's when I think one of our columnists wrote about it, and obviously uh, Andy got asked about it. Some of the players got asked about it. So, yeah, that's always the way. When um, the reason I want to bring up uh, Andy Reid, uh, obviously, he, it's a tremendous story. His career track as a head coach. Uh, with the Eagles and now the Chiefs, and he's been so close so many times. Um, and, you know, he gets criticized for the time management. Does, do you ever think those criticisms of time management get to him, or is he like, look, I've heard that a million times. It doesn't bother me. I, people are going to think about that however they're going to think about it. I don't think it bothers him. I mean, I think he's, you know, uh, and I don't think it's not something that has necessarily come up, you know, this year or has been asked about, but, I mean, he he – strikes me as the person that if you brought it up he'd address it and then sort of keep moving you know i mean it wasn't uh i don't think he's it's one of those things that he's all of a sudden gonna um you know blow off the handle or anything like that if he started asking about it or if it came up again i think he you know he's heard it he's probably you know um address it and then just keep on rolling um the funny thing is is so he and they're different personalities but um he is uh was a college teammate of um, Kyle Whittingham, the University of Utah coach, who I covered before I came here. Right. And the, dealing with the two of them, I said, you know, it, it's they're similar in the way they approach things. Andy's probably a little more, um, in some ways, a little more quick-witted or maybe a little more, uh, uh, got a little more sense of humor that he shows. Not that Witt doesn't, but Witt probably just doesn't show it as much. But when it comes to certain things, you know, they don't necessarily like to give out a whole lot of information on uh, injuries or strategy and that sort of stuff. But um, they, they're never really, you know, uh, at least to, from what I've seen, never really spiteful or rude about the way they go out, go about sort of shutting you down. And I think um, they both sort of uh, think of themselves as teachers in a way when it comes to, you know, talking about how you approach things and, and sort of, um, you know, uh, getting better at the game and that sort of stuff. So. Um, and with, you know, there's been times when you, you, when faced with, you know, something that maybe he could have done better in the game, we'd always just, you know, take it head on, address it, and then move on. And I think Andy's got that same type of approach when it comes to that sort of stuff. Well, and, and on a serious note, Andy Reid is somebody who's been obviously through tragedy, lost his son Garrett Mm -hmm. in 2012 in in training camp, uh, with the Eagles at, at Lehigh University. And I, I, 
I don't know if you know uh, Andy uh, long enough. Has he ever made reference to that, or is, have you ever heard anybody say that that still sticks with him to this day? That he, you know, I'm sure he has the memory of his son in his mind every single day. What father wouldn't? But um, you know, do, do you ever get the sense that you know that that incredible loss um, provided perspective in his football career as a head coach? I'm not sure if that specifically has, but I think there's one thing that you know or you notice when you've been around him is how sort of loyal he is to people that um, have sort of been close to him. Um, you know, and I don't know if that was something that was there before, um, but it's definitely something that you notice spending more time around, whether it's the, the general manager for the Chiefs now, Bert Veach, is a guy who was with Andy um, back when they were in Philadelphia, and he was sort of like the special assistant, basically, you know, just the, the whatever-you-need guy is where um, Veach and him first started to um, work together, and he's obviously come to Kansas City, and now he's the general manager. Um, there's coaches that are like that. There's, you know, um, there's actually one of our columnists wrote about uh, he's got his special, his assistant now, uh, I forget the exact title, is a guy who actually has, uh, only has um, one arm. Uh, he had a childhood accident, and uh, and Andy, you know, Andy's, uh, once he got to know him and brought him on staff, you know, that's, he even made the, the joke, I think, that that's his, uh, his left-hand man because <laughs> he doesn't have the right arm. Uh, and so, um, but, you know, and then even, you know, again, going back to Witt, I mean, Witt's son is now one of the um, administrative assistants uh, Winningham's son, one of the uh, administrative assistants on the Chiefs uh, this year who working on the defensive side. And um, uh, I think when I first came in during camp and, you know, got introduced to Andy and, and Andy uh, mentioned Utah, and he said, oh, yeah, he said, what? He said doesn't he look just like uh, Kyle talking about, you know, Winningham's son who's on staff now. And so I think there's a lot of people that, you know, he crossed paths with over the years and he stays um, stays in touch, stays loyal to them. Um He'll refer back to, you know, uh, or at least he, he not necessarily refers back to, but he definitely keeps an eye on people he's um, he's been in touch with over the years. And I think families, too. I mean, um, one of the guys back in Utah that I worked with at the Tribune, his father had coached Andy when they were at BYU. And um, he still, you know, recognizes, you know, that, that family and um, so I think, I don't know, like I said, I haven't known him long enough to know if he's always been that way, but I think, you know, whether it's family or people who's, who've been close to him, people he's worked with, I think he's, he, he keeps a lot of that stuff, um, in mind and that, like, you know, it keeps a lot of those people close to him. And once they get close to him, it seems like they stay close to him. So, um, I don't know if it, the, the things that have gone on with his family and his son losing the son has changed him at all, but I know that just when you get to see, spend time around them, you see that those a lot of those people and all those different things going on are, um, you know, you, you see that he keeps a lot of that stuff uh, close to him and, and those people are important to him. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I can tell you, having you know spoken to Bill Belichick on Tuesday during the uh, conference call, um, the amount of respect Bill Belichick has for Andy Reid uh, is unmatched in terms of opposing coaches. He... I mean, he can't speak highly enough for Andy Reid and the coaching tree he comes from, obviously in the West Coast offense and and Bill Walsh and all of that, um, you know, and Mike Holmgren and whatnot, but, and with the Packers, Uh, but the respect that um, 
Bill Belichick has for Andy Reid is is pretty remarkable, and he mentioned uh, several times uh, in Tuesday's call um, how Andy is always working the most out of the talent that he has, and he you know brought up Pat Mahomes and uh, the other weapons, and how Andy has worked the RPO because I asked him specifically how the RPO works into the West Coast offense, and he said, well, that's something that we've really talked about the last several days is Andy Reid's going to find some way, something different we haven't seen on film perhaps, um, to try and catch us defensively off guard. Do you think uh, that is what Andy is trying to do in this chess match Sunday night? Yeah, he's, you know, he definitely um, has different things, that, different wrinkles that he pretty much that you'll see out there every week. Um, the RPO, I believe, is more something that I think is, uh, it fits Pat, um, you know, something that Pat's been doing, uh, I think, even going back to high school. And so that was one of those things they sort of integrated a little bit more because uh, Mahomes is, you know, uh, really excels with it and is comfortable with it. Um, and that's, you know, and, and uh, talking to and Belichick at the conference call with, you know, uh, um, Visiting uh, media from uh, Kansas City media uh, earlier on Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday, and so um, yeah, he mentioned again the respect for Andy and how consistently he's been and how how he's done things with uh, different groups of players and everything like that. But um, and how creative he's been with the offenses, and, yeah. And when I asked specifically about what he thought was different, um, or if there was much different with the offense from. for this uh, Sunday night? <laughs> trying to, well, I'm trying to remember what I did. We had to, we had to predict the games before the season started, um, and I'm not really uh, big on predictions. So I don't even remember what I put down there. I think I probably at the time put them down for a loss. 
Um, I know I put them down to lose the first game of the season, and once that went wrong, <laughs> I think I just said they're going to win the rest of the way because, you know, um, might as well because <laughs> they clearly I didn't know what I was talking about. So um, I do think, I mean, I expect just, I don't know if it's because of all that time in New England, but um, I still feel like, you know, Belichick's that one person that, um, will come up with something who might be able to throw something at a quarterback they haven't seen or just sort of get them out of, out of sorts. Um, I'm just, I'm, but off of what I've seen so far, I also don't know if I can bet against Mahomes. So um, I'm looking forward to the game, but I think just the personnel the Chiefs have makes it difficult. So um, I guess I'll give it to the Chiefs. Uh, and I'm, I've been way off on scores, so let me let me give him thirty this week. So we'll go thirty to twenty-four, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, I I could see that happening. Um, it's interesting to me, Lynn, that uh, the Chiefs started five and zero last year after beating the uh, Patriots mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. opening night, uh, and they lost their first game at home to Pittsburgh, then lost again in Oakland, uh, but still recovered. Uh, in time to uh, make the playoffs before losing to Tennessee. I think this Chiefs team, though, has a much higher ceiling. Just uh, Patrick Mahomes alone, I think, makes it uh, makes this team a very, very dynamic team. So it'll be fascinating to watch. I want to thank you, uh, Lynn, for joining us on the Patriots Beat podcast. And uh, we definitely have to get together Sunday night in the press box. Deal? Sure, sure. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll look forward to it. want to thank everyone for downloading today's podcast. want to thank our terrific guest, Lynn Worthy, covering the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com. Also, of course, want to thank our terrific sponsors, BetDSI and One in 100. For producer Michael Angie, our executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast on the CLNS Media Network.